Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Before I even get into what I really want to talk about with the opening bell, I saw a trailer just now, just as I was starting, called The Fat Man. And when I saw the title, I was like, well, maybe it's for like a mafia movie or something. But then I watched the trailer. It has Mel Gibson in it. And I kid you not, uh, the story is about Mel Gibson is a Santa Claus, but it's kind of like Bad Santa, but he's like the real Santa Claus as Bad Santa. He's like a drunk. He has a lot of guns and stuff, things of that nature. He sends some kids a, a lump of coal, and he sent the kid a lump of coal, and, and the kid, I guess, is rich. And so the, the kid hires an assassin to go kill him. This this is this is what the movie's about. I you know, I, 2020 can't end soon enough. This is coming out during the holiday season. Not at movie theaters, I would imagine, because none of them open. I'm gonna watch it. If it's on demand or something, I don't know the Disney making it. it's gonna be on Disney Plus. It's gonna be on the Peacock or something. I'm gonna watch it. Why not? Why not watch Drunk Real Santa? walking around like Jack Reacher and somebody like Jason Bourne is trying to kill him. I, 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 why not? Yeah, I mean, it might be awful, but it may be that good awful. Like all the Friday the 13th movies. Like, they're all terrible, but they're good terrible. Well, not all of them. But most of them are good terrible. You know what I mean? Like, the movie's, like, so bad it's good. Like, it's like like it's Pootie Tang. Like, it's so bad it's, it's a classic. That's how I look at, like, all of the Friday the 13th movies. Like, none of them are particularly great. But then I, I don't think they're supposed to be. Like, I hate it when they, they rebooted it. I think, what, like in the early 2000s? Maybe 2010s? I don't know. I remember they rebooted it and tried to give it a little more, like, realism. I hate it, though. Like, in the reboot, like, Jason moved, like, quickly. Because you always want to know, like, how does Jason get from point A to point B so fast and he's not moving fast? Like, that was part of the charm. So to actually see that he can run really fast kind of took, you know, that take, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know how he selects what he selects to kill people. I don't want to see his thought process in the killing. I don't I don't want that. I want to be like, man, Jason was just on this side of the building. Now he's coming through the window. That's pretty cool. I know there's like a, um, a YouTube channel called Film Theory. And there's always been this theory that, that Jason can teleport. So if you go to film theory, they, they break down if you can and can't teleport. <laughs> see, I want that type of stuff. I don't want to actually see Jason running like Tyreek Hill. That's that's not what I want. I don't want to see Jason plotting out what exactly he's going to do, making his move like he's you know Bill Belichick. Just give me the nonsensical stuff. Give me him punching, 
you know, guy head off of the, you know, the, the roof. Let me see him in space. You know, let, let's just, you know, I don't know how he gets on the boats and all that stuff. You know, who cares? That That's what I want to see. I know that was probably a five-minute rant that you didn't expect at the beginning of the show, but sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes I see stuff and I get interested and I got to talk about it. Sometimes I gotta, just got to talk about it. You should see my wife when I try to go on these little rants. <laughs> when I go on these like, little random rants about things. Ah, oh, my dog just peed on the carpet. Really? You just peed on the carpet? Barkus. This, like I said, no, there's no, there's no takes here. We just go straight through. If you had to go outside, why didn't you say something? Then he's gonna lick it. That's that's ridiculous. If you wanted to go outside, you should have just said so. You know how to go. It's it's five months, so he still has some accidents here and there. But he's pretty good at going outside. But then again, he you know I was doing the podcast, so I probably wasn't paying attention to him. Are you okay now? You feel better? Then we're gonna have to get the carpet clean. Anyway, this is kind of now the official start of the show. Every once in a while, you're going to have to get like my rant, so you just have to deal with it. I'm sorry. You know what you signed up for when you started watching the show, or when you, when you subscribe to the podcast. You know what you signed up for. This is what you signed up for. So I had strong thoughts on Dwayne Haskins getting benched, getting put third string, basically going to be inactive. He's the scout team quarterback. Now, but I thought it may be best because I'm just an outsider uh, looking in to get an insider. So we have a guest, uh, Lake Lewis Jr., a Washington football team insider, TV analyst, and owner of the sports, not the sports, sportsjourney.com, all black on. We like to see that. Uh, he has covered the, 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 the football team. I want to say that other word. Uh, for a very long time, so you know, let's let's talk to him. Let's get him on the line and, and see what he has to say about about all of this. Here, here's my first question: Is from an outsider's view, uh, looking at the Washington football team, its history uh, with quarterbacks, maybe their history with black quarterbacks. Uh, when you heard when, you, when we first saw the, the the Dwayne Haskins thing, it was like, okay, here we go again. Uh, the team, the coach, the organization is not uh, giving him enough backing. But then today, you know, I'm reading that, you know, maybe a little bit deeper than that. You know, they're saying things about poor practice habits, uh, not studying enough, that the, the his teammates didn't believe in him. So that's why I wanted to have you on. From, from your knowledge and, and covering the team the way you do, kind of talk us through exactly what went into this decision of benching him. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things. I mean, first thing is his play. Um, you know, he he just hasn't taken the the big step forward that they were hoping that they would see. Um, you know, COVID has done a a number on a lot of young players as far as their preparation because they didn't have any OTAs, mini camps, training camps, preseasons. Dwayne Haskins is a living testament of that. He, he didn't have those things that could help his game and. You know, to my surprise, they, they named him the starting quarterback, you know, with really no no competition. And, you know, Ron Rivera went out and, and, and they brought in Kyle Allen, who's now since, you know, yesterday, of course, was named the starter. 
Well, he played for two seasons under Ron Rivera and their offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. So to me, I always thought that it may have been easier to go to Dwayne Haskins after you had Kyle Allen, you know, take a swing at it early. And if he failed, then you bring Haskins in and you, and you can't look back. But the fact that they played him early and, you know, just two weeks ago, Rob, I mean, they, they told us, I mean, Ron Rivera told us literally in our press conference that, you know, Dwayne Haskins is his guy and that as long as the guy's coachable and, and, and does what they're asking, they're, he's going to stand by the young man. Those were his exact words. And he goes out after that has a terrible game against Cleveland. I mean, he stunk. I mean, he really did. He threw three interceptions. He looked bad. And then he followed it up with his best statistical game of his career against the Ravens last weekend. The problem is, and I saw it with my own eyes, and I don't care what anyone says, I know guys in this locker room, and I know the rub people the wrong way. Dwayne Haskins was just too chill after the game. I mean, you saw pictures with Lamar Jackson. Well, I was at the game. It was way more than that picture even illustrates. I mean, he was joking. He was talking with, you know, form, uh, you know former teammates at Ohio State who played for the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, he was the last Washington football team player to walk off the field. You, 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 can, you, you, you can't have that as the f- supposed face of the franchise or – you know, hoping that's what you you would be. You know, we're talking about a starting quarterback in the league who was the last person off the field because he wanted to talk to opposing team players. And uh, what did it for me was Lamar Jackson had started an interview, and this is ten minutes after the game. Now, I mean, this was late. <laughs> Guys were off the field, and Dwayne Haskins, you know, like playfully pushed Lamar Jackson from behind in Lamar Jackson's interview. And and it just was like, does this guy realize they just had the hell beat out of them? <laughs> that they 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 lost. I mean, and again, I I I know people don't like hearing it, but we're talking about a black quarterback. You don't get the same opportunities that your white counterparts get, and that's a fact. You know this, <laughs> so right. you, you you can't you can't give off a poor visual. And that that optic was very bad, and, and I think it rubbed some of his teammates the wrong way. Matter of fact, I know it did. Um, and and I think that that kind of was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like you know, there's just some things that that were said and done. I'm not trying to get long winded mm-hmm. here, but you know, he after the game, even in the press conference, he told us he thought he played well. Mm-hmm. He said he thought he played well. He was seeing the field well. You know, he was uh, he was calm, he was comfortable, but he had a horrible decision on a fourth and goal. They were like fourth and goal from the 16. You and I both know the chances of getting in the end zone on that is all but nil, but they still ran the play, and Ron Rivera told us he ran the play to see how Dwayne Haskins, what would he do under those circumstances in that situation, which was kind of iffy, that kind of way of thinking, but that's what he said. Well, Dwayne Haskins checked the ball down. He didn't even put the ball towards the end zone. He threw it to the 11 yard line, and that was it. <laughs> so, so, so it's just poor. It's, yeah. it's a little bit of everything. So, so you know, poor decision making. So, yeah. so you know, kind of hearing what you said, it's not really a talent issue. They they feel like he's a talented 
quarterback. It's maybe more of a maturity issue, understanding that when you're the quarterback of any NFL franchise, there's an image that goes along with that. And like you said, if you're a black quarterback, that image almost has to be pristine, you know, because honestly, if, I mean, if, if Baker Mayfield, like you've heard these things about Baker Mayfield, you know, before, and, you know, you get, you know, there are, he does have critics, but he also got people to say, hey, that's what gives him his edge. That's what makes him this and that. Uh, whereas, you know, for a black quarterback, it, it, it just doesn't, that doesn't seem to work out unless you are performing at a very high level. Exactly. I mean, and 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 and, and listen. I, I said this on my own podcast that more if you're in the, the Haskins camp, you know, you can understand why you know he would be upset because it just happens so fast. The, the carpet being yanked out from under him. The other thing that that's ironic in all of this is that this team doesn't have a whole lot of talent. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It's a young team. They're, they were trying to convince us the whole time is that it's a rebuilding team. So now all of a sudden you're, you're being told by Ron Rivera that the division's terrible and that you're right in the thick of things and you feel like you can compete in the division to win the division. You know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a contradictory a little bit, right? <laughs> it, it very much is. I mean, and I like what Ron Rivera's done since he's come here. I mean, it's definitely been – in all the years I've covered this outlet, this might be one of the more professional setups. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you're immune to mistakes. And I made a grave mistake um, before the season started, and that was by releasing Adrian Peterson. That mm-hmm. absolutely made no sense whatsoever. Guess what his his reasoning was? Adrian's a first ballot Hall of Famer, class act. He deserves a chance to compete at a high level. And we're a young team that's rebuilding, and his position group, there's a lot of talented backs, and we need to find out what these guys can do. So that's why they made the move. (laughs) Okay, so now you're taking your first-round draft pick quarterback, who's 23, and you're going to demote him to third string. And now the second string guy is Alex Smith, who's coming off a gruesome injury, who's 36 years old. I I just... It doesn't matter. It doesn't add up. So for me, it has to be that optic of what happened at the end of the game against the Ravens and some of the things that Haskins said after the game. It, 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 listen, I'll say this. Am I sold on Haskins as this, as the team's guy long term? No, I'm not. I'm not. Do, do I think he's getting a raw deal here yeah i do i i I truly do i don't think he's played well at all to be frank but i've also been convinced that it's a rebuild i've been convinced that they're going to do things right and do things differently and it's grow and develop their players well now you're saying that some of your players feel like you can win games and and ron rivera said out of his own mouth there's 52 other guys that you know, we owe it to, to to get them to see if they can win. That's like, that's an indictment on, on right. Dwayne Haskins, that, like no other. And, and that makes me ask you this, you know, is this a, you know, Josh Rosen situation where there's no coming back from it, you know, an RG3 situation from back in the day where this, this cannot change around and he's going to be on another franchise uh, next season? 
I mean, that's a great point. And, and I, and that's where I've been trying to go with this with people. I'm like, if, if a guy's still in your plans, your immediate future, then what you do is you just demote him to second string. Mm-hmm. You know, you just say, because you still can get some reps in practice. Mm-hmm. But when you're third string, you're on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, or I'm sorry, on the scout squad, basically practice squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> same thing. I mean, you're, you're, you're not getting the reps. And that's, so now you're saying the guy, you said Ron Rivera said to this yesterday, again, he said it's not Dwayne's fault that this has happened. He didn't have OTAs, you know, mini camp, mini camp preseason. He didn't have those things. So he's, he's, he, it's slow for him right now learning the system. And we feel like we need to go with someone who's our system. So at this point, gives us a better chance to win. Doesn't that sound like something that everybody knew before the season was going to start? <laughs> right. be the issue with Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> but again, you, you know, I have a question about that, and and this is yes. just my observation from watching the league: is that the teams with young quarterbacks that are successful seem to tailor the system around the quarterback and not expect a very young quarterback to kind of shoehorn them into what. Uh, they're trying to do. I, I always, you know, use Lamar Jackson and 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 uh, Josh Allen. You know, they they you know they had some deficiencies, and their teams did not try to make them do things that they weren't comfortable, you know, doing. And therefore, you know, they were once they were able to kind of get up to speed. Is that something that Ron Rivera is saying that hey, we have a system. He brought it over with them from from Carolina and. He is trying to shoehorn something because I, I see I saw Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. I think you don't have to be an NFL expert to see what he's he's good at, what his strengths are. Uh, right. Is that a problem? You know, kind of as well. No, that's a great point too. I mean, and let's face it, his strengths is he's got a big arm, mm-hmm. which needs to throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did throw the ball down the field one time on Sunday, and they had a forty-six yard, uh, you know, uh, pass to Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, again, they were asking this guy, and they and they did try to tailor some things to him. I'm I'm not going to say that they didn't because that would be a lie. Scott Turner definitely, the offensive coordinator definitely put some packages in that would help Haskins, you know, get the ball out quick. The problem is this is a West Coast offense, and this is a West Coast offense. You need uh, you need accuracy first and foremost. Quarterback has to be able to make those those quick slant throws and things of that nature and secondly they have to have touch on the ball and those are two things that Dwayne struggles with right now you know he's he's not accurate at all and you know everything he throws is a laser guy could be five yards in front of him he's trying to knock his head off so those are things that just aren't in his repertoire right now but again I come from as as a former athlete I come from coaching I mean I saw last year progress every week under kevin o'connell kevin Mm. o'connell for my money was the guy that i wanted them to hire as their i mean just to keep as their offensive coordinator because i saw him doing things not just with you know Dwayne, but with you know stephen sims uh you know terry mclaurin Mm. kelvin Harmon, and this year i just haven't seen it um it's a different system i get it but if you if you knew that you were going to you know, that you had a guy that played in your system for two years 
who's only 24 himself, I mean, he's 25 now, he's still young, Kyle Allen, then why not just have an open competition for that? Mm -hmm. I understand you didn't have training camp and all, pretty much no training camp. They did have training camp for a week, but that was not a normal training camp. It was more like an OTA. Mm -hmm. So the point, though, is that, again, maybe you could have gone with Kyle Allen early, and if he faltered, then you go with the young guy and you get everyone to understand it's going to be a growing process. But you told everyone, you told us in the media, this was going to be a growing, painful process as the guy learns, and he has to learn on the fly. Those are his exact words. And two weeks ago, you're hailing him as what he could do as far as his leadership qualities. You mentioned how you know he gave a great halftime speech against the Eagles to help galvanize the team to come out and come back and beat them in the first game. He was named a captain. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what happened? I yeah. mean, so clearly... So clearly, if it's if it's not his play, because his play has been iffy all year, it really has. If it's not his play, then Rob, I mean, we all know it's it's a personality clash. <laughs> this is yeah. RG three to me all over again. Seen it, yeah. seen it, done it, been there. <laughs> so so before I let you go, uh, this is just okay. something that that that's been swirling around in my head as someone, and like I said, an outsider just kind of looking in. It, it almost seems like this is set up, especially if they say that they want to try to win the division, to get Alex Smith a shot to see if he has, you know, anything left. And, like, Kyle Allen is going to be a little bit of the sacrificial lamb in there if he, unless he plays lights out from the beginning. But the, I think the, the end goal, uh, just my conspiracy theory, is that he wants Alex Smith in there to see if he can stabilize the team and maybe make a, a bit of a playoff run. Any truth to that? And from your perspective of watching Alex Smith, uh, you know, at practice, all of these things, should he even be out on a on a on a football field? Because I'll be honest with you, I'd be nervous every time that I saw him drop back. <laughs> Listen, I'm not watching him at practice. <laughs> I mean, it it's. Uh, you know, Alex is a, I mean, he, he's a, he's a class act. He really is. He's, um, he's everything that you, you would want from your leader. And Alex Smith was the leader of this team before he got injured. Make no mistake about it. The guys loved him. And, and they were what, five and two, five, mm-hmm. uh, six and two during that time. That injury, they've never recovered from his injury. They mm-hmm. just never recovered as a as a team so now you see him out there um it's one thing to be out there and in the room with with Dwayne Haskins also with Kyle Allen I mean he can he can give you things as a veteran that help you see things that maybe you don't see but it's another thing for him to be out there in pads now proving that he can come back and I think the ultimate feel-good story would be for him to you know get out there but for my money Man, that's 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 something that I don't know if I want to see. Not because it's Alex, but the nature of that injury and looking at him now, his leg to me still looks. I'm just gonna say, I mean, it still looks like it's bent. Mm. Um, I just ah, that's that's a tough optic for me to to see. But but yeah, I mean, it does kind of have that. It does kind of have that story plot, doesn't it? <laughs> that, and 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 it and this doesn't even have to be if uh, Kyle Allen's playing well or not. This could be a hit in the first play of the game. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, yeah, 
and Alex Smith is out there on the field, and that would be unbelievable. So with all that said, you demoted Dwayne Haskins to third string. I don't see any recovery from this. I just That's just me. But this does remind me of literally Josh Rosen. I mean, if, if somebody's in your plans, you just demote them to second string. You know, right. you're just you're letting them watch, but you're still getting them a couple reps in practice. He's not getting any of that now. He's going to be in street clothes on the sidelines on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be inactive. Wow. <laughs> always, uh, always interesting in uh, in DC. But I appreciate <laughs> oh you really. I appreciate you coming on it and giving that insight of what's really going. Like stuff that's stuff that I would have never known. Uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find you on your social media spaces and where we can look out for you and everything. I know I definitely will be following along. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you can check me out on, on Twitter at Lake Lewis, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Lake Lewis Jr. Um, also, you can go to our site at sportsjourney.com and get a lot of in-depth uh, Washington coverage. Uh, and then you can check out my, my daily podcast. It's uh, called After Practice with Lake Lewis, and it's uh, – on pretty much every format uh, podcast carrier and then there's also an app for it on Apple so uh, check this out but yeah I I definitely appreciate you uh, having me on that was some really good insight from Lake Lewis Jr. see that's why we have to have these insiders on who's willing to, to not sugarcoat things I mean it appears that this is more about a personality uh, conflict than on the field kind of an off-the-field situation. And that's what happens when you have a coach that didn't draft you become the head coach. You know, if he doesn't like the way that you handle yourself, uh, you can find yourself out of a job. Um, I don't think uh, Dwayne Haskins ever plays another down uh, for the Washington football team again. Um, he's probably going to get traded, maybe released. Uh, if he does, um, hopefully this experience uh, when he goes to his next team, or maybe the next team would just go about trying to understand him a little more and give him uh, the opportunity uh, that's afforded to a lot of other quarterbacks of the fairer complexion. What in the blue hell? Man, what's going on with the uh, the NFL and these uh, Rona cases? You got the uh, Titans. A lot of snitches on the Titans. Listen, I understand you don't want to put anybody... Uh, health at risk. And the NFL is the last organization or league that should be sitting on their high horse talking about how other people handle things. But, man, everybody was snitching. Oh, the Titans. They had them out at the high school. They had no mask. See, Vrabel don't care about that stuff. You remember when Vrabel said he was on some podcast and he said that uh, he had cut his, his penis off for uh, a Super Bowl win? And then when somebody, you know, mentioned to him that his, his wife may have some say in that, Vrabel was like, yeah, I still do it. That that should let you know. He, this man doesn't care about anything but football. That's that whole Patriots way that it's really not a thing. But that's a whole other topic for another day. Then the Patriots caught it. Um, Cam caught it. They think his uh, new baby mama that he left his old baby mama for. Maybe got it to him. Somebody said that he got it from getting those scarves from the Goodwill, the thrift store. I mean, that's possible. I don't know if he gets his scarves from the, 
the Goodwill. They they look like Goodwill scarves. They do. But he's probably paying like three, four thousand dollars for them. And that, that's an interesting thing about life. There are things that you pay thousand dollars for that you could probably get at the Goodwill for five dollars. You ever look at designer shirts? Like some of those designer shirts or designer shoes, they're ugly. They're very, very ugly. You get a very similar shirt at the Goodwill. Put it in the wash, it'll be fine. Ten bucks. When I, when I didn't have any money, that's where I got my first suit coats from. I, I would get them from the Goodwill, and then I would take them to the, the what is it, what do you call it, the seamstress, the tailor. <laughs> take it to the tailor, have them, you know, fix it up a little bit. You get the coat from the Goodwill, 20 bucks. Tailor, maybe 40, 50. If the coat's perfectly fine. It's black. Like, how many versions of a black suit coat can you have? And who's going to know? My suit coat is polo. My suit coat is Versace. My suit coat is Tom Ford. It's still black. From a distance, nobody can tell. And I understand. We all like our brands. You know, a sneaker is just a sneaker, but, you know, you put a swoosh on it, and all of a sudden it's $200. That's just the way it works. Like, you can get, like, headphones, like the Apple ones. Like, the, the, was it, iPods. You can get, like, you go on Amazon, they have... This basically the same thing for like 20 bucks. But you got to have the iPods because, you know, you got to look good on the Zoom or whatever. <laughs> that's just, the, I guess, just the way it is. Apple's smart. The one thing Apple's smart about is they make everything interconnected. I don't know who in their business model figured that part out. But what happens is once you have one, it's like you got to you get everything else. But the phone, the phone's connected to the laptop. Laptop is connected to the MacBook. The MacBook is connected to the the iPods. The the the, the iPods are connected to the, the Apple Watch. It's like it's all interconnected. So there's nothing you can do about it. You have you have to. You want one, you got to get all the others. You can't get around it. Plug it up to your car. They got Apple, whatever Apple Play in the car. Once your text messages read to you, you got to have Apple Play. It's all interconnected. It's really sad. Dog's back. I think he wants to kill you. Hear him? He's running around. I don't know what's going on. There's no water in there, Barky. There's no water in there. We had no takes. We don't stop. We just keep going. I wish you could see him. He's he's breathing really hard. That means he's been running around. Are you okay? Are you all right, Barky? You good. What else? Uh, oh, you know the crazy story? Uh, we did a story about Buster Douglas. You know, Buster Douglas, uppercut Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas was not a bad fighter. Buster Douglas would be like, um, ah, what's that? What's that fighter that just lost? He's, he he wasn't a bad heavyweight. He was just in that era of heavyweights where, you know, they were all the same. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they were all the same. I'm looking for the fighter that I'm, I'm trying to find. <laughs> hey, he, he, they just kind of all the... Dillian White. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Buster Douglas was like Dillian White. You know, good enough to be good enough, but just bad enough to get knocked out from time to time. He was not an awful fighter. When he, when he, when he went up against Mike Tyson, he was... The thing about Mike is Mike, those mid-level guys... <laughs> He just kind of ran through. 
So nobody really gave Buster much of a chance. But in retrospect, in retrospect, if you really go back through Mike Tyson's career, you can see that this was coming. It was just a matter of who. And not not when or if. It was just, I don't know who, when, when, if, whatever. It was just a matter of time before it happened because Mike was already kind of going on that down cycle before he ran into Buster Douglas. Like, he was still winning. Like, Mike's peak was probably, I would say, Mike started, what, in 80, 85? Like, I think Mike had a peak from, like, this kind of crazy when you think about it, like, 85 to 88. Like, really. Like, 85 to 88. Like, a real, real short window. Like, Mike was around forever. And, you know, he won a lot of fights, but he was kind of like a three-year peak. That's why it's crazy, because he took three years off. He was still, like, 28. He wasn't even that old. But he had that peak for, like, three years. But as you got into, you know, you know past, like, the Michael Spinks fight, you, st you start seeing little, little cracks. Little cracks. What a lot of people don't know is a lot of people, when they look at Mike Tyson's career, they think Buster Douglas, and then they think, then he went to jail. Then they think Evander Holyfield. Like that's the way they think that it went. But that's actually not, not true. You know, Mike had a little bit of a, a rededication after he lost to Buster Douglas, which happens when you, you know, you, you take your first loss. You can either, like, fall off the map or you can kind of rededicate it yourself. So he, he had got rid of some people. He had cleaned up some things. And he won... Four fights in a row from, like, uh, the mid, like, I think it was June of 1990 to June of 1991. He fought four times. And he fought uh, Henry Tillman, Alex Stewart, uh, and, and Donovan Razor Ruddick twice. So it wasn't like he just lost to Buster Douglas and he was with jail. And he had some fights in between there. But he was never, he was in jail for like four years. It just, it was never the same after that. Who knows what would have happened because what, happened, it was, what was supposed to happen was he was supposed to beat Buster Douglas and then fight uh, Evander Holyfield. That didn't happen, obviously. But then after he won those four fights in a row, they had it actually scheduled. But he had an injury and it pushed it back. And in between the time it got pushed back is when, you know, the Desiree Washington situation happened. That's just some brief Mike Tyson stuff, but has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now with Buster Douglas. Buster uh, was doing an interview, I believe, with Vlad TV or somebody, and he said that uh, he lost a fight early in his career because he had a girlfriend, and <laughs> he said the, the sex was too good the night before the fight. And he said it cost, it cost him an L early um, in his career, and he decided... Um, from that point on, he, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't, he would this, this was like when he started early in his career. He wouldn't do it afterwards. The reason that that's interesting, because some people think that's what happened to Deontay Wilder. They think he was up there wilding in the hotel, in the Las Vegas hotel, before the, uh, uh, before the Fury fight, and that's what happened to him. Some people, are, some boxing, like, 
purists, historians agree with that. Others do not. Some say it weakens your legs. Some says it doesn't really have any effect on you. I mean, I guess you, if you're a man and you listen to this, you're the only one that really knows how you feel the next day. I know some of us has a, a good burst of energy <laughs> the next day. I mean, as long as we don't have to fight like 30 minutes after, I think it should be good. That's an interesting story. Go on Black Sports Online and read that particular story. Uh, what else? Oh, Patrick Mahomes can't. That's what I really was saying. Patrick Mahomes can't. He can't. He got a. He, he's hugging Stephon Gilmore, so he can't. You know, he can't do anything with his lady. Look, I, yeah, I, I try not. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to judge. I, I really not. Like, I, I hope, I hope they're happy together. I know that they're having a baby, and I'm having a baby, so I understand. That's a beautiful thing. They, they engage, and all of that stuff, but. I just don't see it. It's it's not even a looks thing. That's not even what I'm referring to. It's like, because after a certain point, that really does match. She just, she just seems really, really annoying. She wanted the old boy to get kicked out of the game after Patrick Mahomes flopped. She acts a lot like his mom. Patrick Mahomes' mom was over there taking shots at LeBron for leaving the court early. So I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I hope it works out, but I don't know. Travis Kelsey girl got mad at me just because I said they was back together. I don't know what you're mad at me for. I'm just reporting the news. Should you be happy? You're back with your man. I can't control the comments on the stories. I just write the stories. I can't control the comments of said stories. That's not. That's not what I do. So don't get mad at me. I have nothing to do with what the comments are being made. I have I have no I have no control over that. Why they're saying that you you went back? I just wrote the story that you was there. You got back together. I was not the one that erased them from social media. I don't have anything to do with that. She called me a little Inspector Gadget ass. A little offended by that. <laughs> Slightly offended by that. Uh, speaking of LeBron, yeah, he does. A, they, what, Jay Williams called him out for crying every time. Well, he's a, he's a superstar basketball player. That's all they do. That's all they do. The only person I've never really seen like whine a lot is Kawhi. Every once in a while he will, but for the most part he doesn't really, he doesn't really say anything. They all they, they all do. I mean, LeBron has been flopping and crying since he's been in the league. It's just his thing. So I don't know why they like just figured it out today. By the time you read this, um, or read it, by the time you listen to this, it'd be close to game five, so we'll know if it's over or not. I was gonna get into the whole thing about the ratings and if the championship needs an asterisk and all of that stuff, but let let's see who wins first, and then probably next week I get uh, into that. The Injustice League. Did you see that fly? On Mike Pence's head at the uh, vice presidential debate. They say flies are attracted to, you know, you know what. Mike 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 Pence looks just like uh, Cotton Hill from King of the Hill. Hank Hill's dad. You know, he killed all those Nazis. Lost his shins. Or was it Nazis or was it the, the Viet Cong? He said them. 
I, I'm not exactly. I can't remember. It's a good show. Better than Family Guy. It's definitely better than Family Guy. It surely is. It's a better show than Family Guy. The vo you know, they, they came up with the, the idea of King of the Hill from the Beavis and Butthead uh, movie that had Robert Stack in it from Unsolved Mysteries. I'm just a plethora of useless information. That debate was uh, boring. It was terrible. But that's how debates are supposed to be. <laughs> They're supposed to be boring and terrible. They're not supposed to be exciting and crazy and off the chains, but everything's like that with Trump. So yeah, you know, I hate I hate flies. Like some, you know, speaking of the dog, you know, trying to leave the little the little side door open so he can go outside and, and do his business. That's why he did his business in my office. But if you leave it open, then you know after he does his business, then all the flies want to fly in because they smell the food and stuff. So it's a catch twenty two. Mike Pence is actually probably more dangerous than Donald Trump. And the, the reason that I say that is that Pence is a, a, a full-time politician. And what I mean by that is he knows how to lie and politicians speak. The thing with Trump is he, he, Trump is like Charles Barkley. You know, it's just coming out of his mouth. Whatever it is, it's just coming out. There's no thought to it. There's no process to it. He says exactly what he's thinking. He just his lies are egregious, <laughs> but he does, it doesn't care. It's not it's not it's not really creative. It's not trying to manipulate anybody. I mean, even though he does manipulate people, but it is the, it's the way he does it. Just it's very straightforward, which is why, like I, I I've said for four years, it's 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 our fault. I don't blame Trump. I blame us. I don't blame Trump. Not at all. We let this happen. There's no way that Donald Trump should be the president of the United States. The United States let this happen. Now we see if we if we let it happen again. I don't know. But I that's the like, don't complain. You let it happen. You knew, I mean, you know who Donald Trump is. And you let him be president. Now Pence. Like I said, he's a politician, but he had all the stuff that Donald Trump says aloud, Pence does behind the scenes. That's what's scary. That's what's scary about somebody like Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan seems like a nice guy, personable guy. He's doing all type of stuff behind the scenes that was screwing us all over. Screwing your parents and your grandparents over. That the George W. Bush, you know, he was just dumb. A lot of stuff behind the scenes just screwing us over. That That's the thing. They're all politicians, no matter how much you like them. Like, I like President Obama, and I do believe he had the best interest of everybody at heart. He seems like a nice guy, him and Michelle. But in the end, they still had to deal with politics. They still said a bunch of stuff they never actually did. Every politician does. That's how they get elected. Joe Biden is saying a bunch of stuff that he's not going to do. The thing about voting for Joe Biden now is just about stability. You just want the country to be stable and normal for a while. Like that, It's like dating somebody crazy and wild, right? Initially, like that's exciting. And I think that's what happened with Trump. Initially, the way he was acting was exciting to a certain 
portion of the let's say not the the, the cult people but kind of the mid-road people or whatever. That was exciting. He was going to do something different. They they bought into to that. But then, you know, if you're with somebody who's crazy for a long period of time, you just start realizing it's not fun anymore. If he loses the election, that's why. The cult people are always going to be the cult people. Ain't nothing going to change that. I think four years ago, there were people that bought into what he was saying and actually thought he, he may be able to do something different that he actually cared and all of this stuff. And now, especially with the coronavirus, they realize he's just an idiot. <laughs> he's just a selfish idiot that only cares about himself, doesn't care about anybody else. he kill a bunch of people. It doesn't matter to him as long as he's making money. All of the people around him are crooks. Hopefully, those people are like, okay, we thought we wanted something different, but we're, we were wrong. And now we need some, some stability in this country. But we'll see. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, Trump literally has people trying to kidnap governors and shoot up protesters. They got five guys. I swear to God, I just saw the picture of the five guys. If you read the story about the five terrorists, domestic terrorists, that tried to kidnap the governor, and I gave you a blank sheet of paper and you could draw, and I say, draw what the five guys look like. I guarantee you they'll look just like the mug shots that you see there. Guarantee. All of those MAGA people look exactly the same. All of them. All of the militia, the proud, but they all look the same. You can you can spot them a hundred miles away. When I'm driving and I see a truck and I look inside, and I know you don't judge a book by its cover. I swear I'm at a 99% connect percentage. I see the guy, I say that guy's MAGA. He drive past and there's a, a Trump Pence, Trump 2020. On the back of his truck every single time. I you just know you can see it. That little meme that they put up with all of the the, the what the Trump supporters look like with those Oakleys and stuff. That's not a lie. <laughs> that's that's not a lie. They literally tried to kidnap after governor. This is like an episode of this is like a bad episode of 24. Honestly. Like some of the things that are happening, you would see on TV. And you'd be like, okay, that's just a TV show. That wouldn't actually happen in real life. Or that's just a book. Like, I read a lot of those. They're not necessarily, they're like, they're kind of political drama books, but they're always about, like, assassins and stuff. Or, you know, Secret Service guys. Guys that work for the government or went rogue and all of that stuff. I read a lot of those books. You know, uh, Mitch Rapp, uh, you know, even Jack Reacher, you know, Jason Bourne, uh, Scott Harvard. Uh, what's, the, what's the other one? Alexander King. Is it King? Alexander King. I'll just give you some book suggestions to read. Uh, Adelie Pat Pine. Uh, what's, the, what's the guy? The Memory Man one. Amos Decker. That's some book suggestions that you should read. But they're all pretty much the same. It's government related in some shape, form, or fashion. Assassin related some shape, form, or fashion. And you read these stories and you be like, whoa, that's wild. Because, you know, they, they're supposed to be stories. <laughs> you know, they, they're supposed to be things that wouldn't really happen. And in some cases, yeah, like Jack Reacher, you know, it's been like 20 years. This man still is, is, is finding trouble. But sometimes you read these books and you'd be like, yeah, it's not too far-fetched from what's actually happening right now. And that's a little scary because I read books for fiction. 
not, you know, for realism. My God. My God. I, I, I do not know what's going on in the world today. I do know everybody needs to go out and vote. I'm, I'm, you know, the thing is, most people, most of us, I mean, we're going to be in the comfort of our own home. We're going to vote. We're going to watch the election. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to win. Then I think all hell is going to break loose. Like, I'm just not exactly sure what. My Ideally, you just would want it to be real chill and cool. Uh, but it's not going to be like that. Like, either way, there's some weird stuff that's going to happen. Because if Trump wins, shit, I don't know if we're going to be here in four years. I don't know if we can take it mentally, honestly. If Biden wins, I'm just curious what happens. Like, one or two things can happen. Either all of the Trump people just go back, you know, hiding under their rocks. Cause it, and, 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 of course, all the political people are going to bail out on him because they don't like him anyway. They just deal with him because he's the president. As soon as he's not the president anymore, I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, he has money and he has power and he's an ex-president. And I think that the country, it doesn't look good for a president to be put in jail. But he could be. I don't know. He's done a lot of illegal stuff. But I, I'm worried about the cultists. You know, like, what are they going to do? Because they don't have anybody. And it's it's going to be a long time before another Trump is able to slide in. Because, you know, I would like to think that, you know, we were fooled once and that would be enough. I can't guarantee that. But I definitely hope that is the case. It's just, I would just stay inside for you already got to stay inside because of the way we handled the damn pandemic. But I would just stay inside uh, for for a little bit. Keep the same energy. I saw a report when we're talking about keeping that same energy. I was upset about it. I saw a report. That said, Dabo Sweeney, a.k.a. Dabo Luther King, is an actual candidate for the Texans head coaching job. Dabo Luther King. Now, I get it. Dabo coached Deshaun Watson in, in college. But there's nothing to suggest that Dabo is qualified to be a National Football League head coach. Unlike, say, Eric Bieniemy, who's passed over for a lot of coaching positions. Those coaches aren't doing that great. But it just says a lot to me that they are actually considering Dabo Luther King. You'd think that after Nick Saban went to the Dolphins and how that went, they would know that bringing in Dabo is not the best thing. Dabo is good at controlling the youth Controlling young people with that little aw shucks, Christian, fake Christian personality. When in reality, you know, he, it's, he's not like that. You know, he said, he said racism didn't exist because, you know, we had Obama and Michael Jordan uh, on the basketball team. You know, a, a cop called his, uh, his radio station and said, hey, you know, Black Lives Matter is a, is a hate group. And he said, hey, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> but, you know, he make an interview. And if he wanted to go, he probably would get the job. Dabo Luther King. It's not the same energy. It's weird to me. It's very, very strange to me that 
Well, I shouldn't say strange. I know it's not surprising. It's probably none of that. That is, that's just something you say, but it's not strange or surprising to me that they try to discount. They try to discount Eric B. Enemy because he works for for Andy Reid. And here's here's my question about that. Did they ever discount any of the the white assistant coaches that worked with? Walsh, when he's with the 49ers. Did they ever discount any of the white coaches that worked with Bill Belichick or or, or Bill Parcells? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, there are coaching trees for a reason. You know, no one's like, Bill Parcells was, you know, known as a, a defensive coach, and he had Bill Belichick underneath them. Nobody said, well, Bill Belichick shouldn't get any credit. Bill Belichick it obviously runs pretty much everything in New England. Then it stopped Mike Vrabel and, and the guy with the pencil in his ear from getting a job. You understand what I'm saying? So why would you try to discredit Eric Bieniemy? He's the offensive coordinator. Somebody has to be the head coach and somebody has to be the offensive coordinator. If, if Andy Reid didn't have any faith in him, he wouldn't be the offensive coordinator. But you're going to bring Dabo Luther King in? And I, I think it would be very interesting for Dabo to come in because, like, no offense to Clemson. He's done a good job of building them up as a powerhouse and getting all the five-star recruits and everything. But in reality, I mean, that's all it is. He, he, he plays in the, in the ACC. And they, honestly, the ACC hasn't been good for a very long period of time. So you can cruise through the regular season, and then, you know, you got to win one or two games now in the playoffs. They're very good, but, the, you know, they're not challenged. They're not beat up. You're not getting beat up playing in the ACC the same way if you played in the Big Ten or the SEC. Hell, I even think they may lose a game or two if they played the Big 12. At least we know that they, you know, would get scored upon. Now, they are playing Miami this week, so we'll see how that goes. The U, but the U hasn't been great for a very, very long time. It's kind of like Texas. You know how say Texas is back and Texas is never back? It's kind of how the U's been. The U's been back, but they've never really been back. You know, I don't think people should, as far as like the Rooney Rule, like the Rooney Rule is kind of like, you know, if it's if it's done in the right since it's fine if they treat everyone equally who's getting an interview, but they don't. They're MAGA NFL owners. Have you ever did anything just to, to get it out the way? Like, have you ever wrote a paper and the paper, they, they said the paper needs to be 10 pages? Have you ever went out your way to write 15? No, you write, you double-sided and you write, 10, you're doing 10 pages. Right at the dot, at 10, you stop. You only do 15 pages if you really like what you're talking about. That's all they're doing. They're just doing the requirements. So it's the, the rule itself is not a bad rule. It's the like everything. It's the implementation of the rules that's the issue. That's like, you know, cops just in general, what they're supposed to do is, is noble. 
but it's the implementation of what they're doing, which is the problem. Like the guy that got shot um, after saying how much he loved the the white police and the white women, right? The the cop that shot him was 22 years old. A dummy who who was in like hate, you know, like troll groups and stuff like that. He's a MAGA guy. There's no, there's no 22-year-olds should not be police officers. Like, I feel like there should be some sort of mandatory age for that. Like, you can't be a police officer at 21, 22. Like, you should have to, if you want to be in the police force at 21, 22, you, sh you should have to, like, go through some stuff first. You like, before they give you, like, a gun and all of that, you got to just, just observe for a while. It's like college. You know, like, you go through college and then you get, a, like, I don't think anyone 22 years old that just literally got out of high school, if that, probably has got GD, should be walking around with a gun and have the ability to take somebody's life. Especially if they're white and entitled. I'm I'm kind of with Colin Kaepernick. I think kind of the whole thing needs to be abolished. I know it's like the defund and all of that stuff. I'm like, you can't defund and, and reform mind states. They got to build it back up like your core is all jacked up. The, the, it's not bad apples. The whole core is rotten. Because the problem is, I think what they should do probably is instead of having all these county police, you should just have some maybe more like major, like like uniform police that covers like all of the counties. Because this kid was 23, not even a kid, this young man is 22 years old, out there with a gun. That's not, they, they, you don't, no, no. You can't do that. And let once again let that be a lesson to you. Do not, do not you know defend your oppressors. He went to that cop like a friend, tried to shake his hand and ask him how he was doing because he loved white women and he loved white people and didn't think it could happen to him. But here's the deal: it can happen to you if your skin is a certain hue. And I'm not trying to be Jay Z, but I'm just saying. Be sure to check out the website blacksportsonline.com and register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSO TV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.